everybody, Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode about the best of pictures. This week we're going to be talking about Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, winner of Best Picture in 1992. And to talk about this film, I will welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hello. How you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh, I'm doing, doing pretty good. Okay. I had to, uh, had a flat tire today. Yeah. On the way over that. Yeah. Man. Oh man. You know, if, 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 if there's one thing that I think you're doing wrong in life, I think it's tire maintenance. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's the way it seems like there's a, I mean, there's listeners may not know this if they don't live in Los Angeles, there's a, a, an entire street in the Valley. It runs from. Sherman Oaks all the way to Burbank. Um, and it's just, it's known for having just broken glass and nails. People avoid it. You just drive right on I just on drive it. down there every single yeah. time. You just say like, nobody tells me what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, these nails are not that sharp. They're, they're old nails. Exa- yeah. That's why they're in the street. That's why people throw them away. If they were still good, people would be using them to build houses <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, that's, that's unfortunate. Thankfully, uh, it was... Uh, in a covered area and a covered, like a parking garage. Yeah. As opposed to being out subjected to the elements, which is to say uh, a mild rain. <laughs> um, there were points today when it wasn't all that mild, even. That's true. That's true. But never really that hard. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I'll take what I can get. Mm-hmm. It, di- it differentiates the seasons. It sure did. Which is wonderful. Yeah. And I'm not going out of town or any t- anything. Um, so. Uh, this is winter for me and I got to embrace it where I can. Uh, and speaking of such things, I did mention that I'm not going out of town. I'm not going out of town for the holidays. However, I will be going out of town mid January. Uh, my wife and I are going to be going to Disney world and we are scheduling that to coincide with her shooting a wedding on January 17th. So a call to Miami listeners. Hey, uh, there is one. There is one listener that I'm already going to be uh, going to dinner with while Jen is shooting her wedding. If you live in Miami or that general area, and you would like to uh, come to dinner with me, I love meeting listeners. I love hearing about uh, what movies they like and and just sort of who they are as film fans. Uh, I find it actually very helpful as a podcaster. So, if you would be interested, shoot me an email, Tyler at more than one lesson dot com. And we will uh, see if we can make that work. So you should get one of those sandwiches while you're down there, the Cubano sandwich or whatever it's what's called. What's up? There's a there's a sandwich that's famous down there in Miami. What kind? What's on it? Pork. Okay, so far so good. It's like pork and bread, pretty much. But there's butter too. You might actually I like, like. I it. like all three of those things. I, I'm trying to remember. I think sometimes they do it with pickles, but you can. Okay, I'm sure out. get it without the pickles. That's not a hard thing to get it without. It's just a pork sandwich. Kind of, yeah. But there's like a special way they do the bread or something like that. Mm, I don't know. I bet it's terrible. <laughs> it's They're pretty good, actually. They have them at, uh, at Porto's. But they're supposed to be great in Miami. That's where they come from, I guess. All right, yeah. I'll well, definitely. they probably come from Cuba, but they come I, to us by way of Miami. And what are they called again? I think it's just called a Cubano or Cubano. That makes sense to me. I, yeah. I bet it's from, from, from Cuba. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By which I mean Gooding Jr. Yes. Um, but but uh, He's famous for his sandwiches. Absolutely. And then he went on to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know what? I think I'd rather be the sandwich guy. Yeah. So uh, 
so yeah, listeners, uh, it, just let me know if, uh, if that's something you'd be interested in. Okay. And I think as far as, um, announcements, that's about it though. I will say everybody, um, this year's Christmas episode. I say that as though we do one every year. We do not, but, uh, this year we will be doing a Christmas related episode and it will be next week and we will be discussing. It's going to be a doozy. Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Don't miss it. Well, people already missed it. Although, apparently... uh, I'm in the episode, not the movie. You can miss the movie. Yeah, I guess so. Just listen to what we have to say about it. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Um, Because we're not going to be wholly negative about it, because there's Mm -hmm. a couple things in there that that were uh, intriguing, if nothing else, Mm -hmm. and then horrendously mishandled. But... um, yeah, so, uh, and we will be joined by uh, our friend uh, Nathan Potter, who was last here for our Noah episode. Um, we were going to try and get a fourth, but uh, that didn't work out, because the thing about Saving Christmas is that when it pops up at theaters, it's for a limited engagement. Limited and engagement. if the crowd in our theater was any indication, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything that will entice uh, movie owners to movie theater owners to, uh, to keep it going. So anyway, so that's next week. Tune in for that. And we will try to uh, maintain a, maybe not positive, but at least a constructive attitude uh, mm-hmm. about the film. So, all right. Moving into uh, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which is a Western. Uh, it won several Oscars, including picture, director, best editing, and best supporting actor for Gene Hackman. Now, uh, Josh and I were talking just off mic before, uh, I guess we were talking off mic if we were not recording um and josh said uh, that he had not seen the film in a while how long do you think it's been since you've seen this film it's been several years okay. um i don't know definitely over six or seven years okay haven't seen it since i moved to los angeles okay all right do you find yourself uh do you feel like you have a good memory for it there are there are moments that I remember, mm-hmm. um, like any, at least any good movie, there's, uh, there's certain sequences that stick out or certain feelings that I had about it that, that, uh, still resonate. But, uh, if I needed to give you a full rundown of the plot, I probably couldn't do it. I probably wouldn't miss a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I'll say this. My first memory of Unforgiven was when it was a new when it was new to video. Mm-hmm. I did not watch it, but I remember my dad and my uncle, uh, my uncle especially being a big Western fan. I remember the two of them watching it while I was doing something else, and I remember coming downstairs after you know playing with toys or something, and hearing them, my uncle especially, furious at the film. <laughs> really, <laughs> just thought it was such a downer. Um, I don't think my dad had that much of a problem with it, but I know my uncle um, was really frustrated by it. You said he was a big Western fan? He was a big Western fan, and this is a film that could be called a revisionist Western. Yeah. Um, And and that's the thing. It is one of a few films that Clint Eastwood has made uh, as a director that seems to – I'm not sure if I'll use the word apologize – that seems to I'll, I'll say explore it seems to want to explore the movies that made him famous as an actor mm-hmm. uh in 2008 you had grand torino kind of exploring the dirty harry, dirty harry type of thing yeah. 
and and Unforgiven explored not merely the Man with No Name trilogy, but the various other westerns. Yeah, that Outlaw Josie Wales yeah. or um, Pale Rider. Pale, yeah, Pale yeah, Rider. which I think. I think he even directed that one. So like mm. not even act as an actor, but some of these are movies that he actually made. Yeah. Uh, and as he got older, I think he probably got to be a bit more sensitive mm-hmm. uh, as a person and thought, okay, well, what are the actual ramifications of this lifestyle that mm-hmm. these characters are, are leading? And so if you are a fan of classic Westerns, as my uncle was, I find myself wondering what, how you would respond to, uh, Unforgiven or The Wild Bunch mm-hmm. or a movie that I am a big fan of is The Proposition mm-hmm. and, and probably a few others. I find myself wondering what you would think of The Searchers had you watched that when it came out. A yeah. film that doesn't necessarily paint John Wayne in the best light. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's my first memory was that my uncle who loved Westerns hated this. <laughs> so when I, when the time came and I actually watched it on my own a few, several years later, uh, I had that in mind, and so my expectations were actually pretty low, and uh, I loved it. I hmm. thought it was absolutely wonderful. Hmm. And then I, since then, I would say at this point, I, I watch it regularly, probably hmm. once every year or two. So hmm. it's pretty fresh in my memory. Um, and it's just uh, – it's about a, a former – gunslinger who was the worst guy ever apparently but now uh he met this woman and uh she civilized him as women in the old west apparently did uh had a couple of kids he stopped drinking drinking seems to be a big thing for his character Hmm. he made some of his worst decisions when he was drunk and this woman got him to stop drinking and then she actually passed away and now he's just running a farm with his two children Hmm. And then word gets around um, that there is a uh, a reward to kill these two guys who uh, cut up a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So there's some pretty, by the way, uh, so everything I'm saying so far, pretty seedy. There's a, there's a pretty intense movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it's just too much for the Clint Eastwood character to, just too much for him to resist. And so he goes in, with, he brings in an old friend and then he's, he's there with a, a younger more uh, kind of an up-and-coming gunslinger. Yeah. And they decide to go uh, pursue that. And in doing so, they run up against the local marshal, played by Gene Hackman, who is, to me, one of the best villains ever and one of the most fascinating characters ever because he is brutal. He is definitely the villain, but he's also very charming. And he's he will brutalize people that are criminals. Mm-hmm. And in the old way, this to him, this is the only way to keep law and order in a fairly lawless society. And so you're kind of right there with him. You understand where he's coming from. He there is a decency to him that I think Gene Gene Hackman tends to just sort of exude. Even when he was playing rough characters, there Mm -hmm. always seemed to be a lot of intelligence and a lot of decency, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's buried pretty pretty deep. So. Uh, and then there's a big, you know, big bloody confrontation. But even even in the film, there's uh, there's a character there who is a sort of a biographer and kind of a journalist, and he's fascinated by the the legends of the old west. And so oh, yeah. you have various characters telling him about what it is to be these things, hmm. and 
you re- and it's a really it really is a film that especially in how they're talking to him it really tries to de-romanticize the old west mm-hmm. while still by the way being a beautiful film <laughs> visually and engaging in a lot of the things that a person might want to romanticize yeah and it manages to balance that i hadn't really thought of it before until just now but there's probably some similarities between this and uh and the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford absolutely in that, in that regard and that uh it, it both romanticizes and kind of casts a negative light on what we think of as the old west and kind of deals with the idea of uh outlaws as celebrities or just yeah. kind of celebrity in general yeah um because that, that that is one of the things that I remembered about the movies talking about the history of speaking of Unforgiven now, mm-hmm. um, the history of these characters who were, you know, famous gunslingers for yeah. one reason or another, and um, kind of the the way that was portrayed versus versus the reality um, versus where they are now, where they ended up. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh and the writing is is really spot on. I do recall hearing um, a story in which the the writer David Webb uh, Peoples, who was nominated for an Oscar but did not win, um, there was a story that he had submitted the script to Clint Eastwood for I think a number of years, but Eastwood's manager kept saying no, hmm. and then somehow the script actually did find its way into Eastwood eastwood's hands and he loved it so much that he said like why have i only now gotten this and they said well the man it it was revealed that his manager kept saying no and he immediately fired his manager wow um because he thought it was so great and it seemed to really touch something in him Hmm. uh that he and and maybe by by 1990 by 1992 that he and only he could do Hmm. i cannot think of another director or actor that could do could that could make this movie and it would have had as much impact. Yeah. Um, I think Leon was gone by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like Western stars, I think he was the only one at that point. Yeah. Probably the most famous one still living anyway. Yeah. I feel like if someone else had gotten that script to direct it and Clint Eastwood's the first one they would have gone to Absolutely. as their star. Absolutely. And so, uh, so yeah, it is a, it is a brutally violent, but surprisingly sensitive film yeah um so if you are a fan of westerns but you also would like to sort of um explore what is so romantic about westerns but also explore the harsh reality of what of what that life might have been i would suggest unforgiven maybe maybe put that at the top of your list probably that and the wild bunch uh, probably those and then go ahead and watch the entire series of Deadwood. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is a, a film that we've covered on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I did. I don't think you were part of the show yet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, and what, and again, to really emphasize, it's a film that isn't merely condemning. It completely understands. I mean, Clint Eastwood is not just going to say, hey, everything that made me a star, everything that I did before, I completely turn my back on now. He understands the inherent power of the West, especially in American culture, mm-hmm. and what it must what it must have felt like at that time and how exhilarating it could be, but also how scary it could be and how bloody. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very 
and that co- that goes down to the screenplay, the way it is directed, the general tone, and of course the acting as well. And it has a great cast. Uh, it's got Clint Eastwood in the main part, Gene Hackman as the the, the marshal, Morgan Freeman, Richard Harris, uh, Saul Rubinek who as the journalist, and I like him a lot. So uh, if you have the opportunity to check it out, um, here are the other Best Picture nominees from that year. Um, the Crying Game, Neil Jordan film. A Few Good Men. Here it says A Few Good Man. I'm sorry, that's a typo. Uh, by uh, Rob Reiner. Howard's End, I do not recall who directed that. And Scent of a Woman, which I think is directed by Martin Brest, but I'm not 100% sure about that. I think that's right. So of these five... The Crying Game is pretty good. Um, I've never seen it. And I never saw Howard's End. Scent of a Woman is a movie that I liked when I was younger. Um, but that can mostly be boiled down to a really good performance by Al Pacino. That's what I've heard, because I haven't seen that one either. And actually, it's one that we own. But <laughs> a couple times when I've thought of watching it, my wife, who's the one that owns it, mm-hmm. was like, oh, it's not that good. <laughs> it has its moments, and it's. I like anything where... A character makes... Uh, I'm reminded of... Uh, I was thinking of Rob Roy recently. Have you ever seen Rob Roy? Parts of it, never the okay. whole thing. I tend to like it when a character has to make a choice, and it comes down to their integrity, but the choice itself isn't v- really clear-cut. Mm-hmm. Or one could make the argument, it's actually kind of low stakes, so mm-hmm. really you... It's understandable if they were to make a different choice. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would condemn them. Yeah. But they opt not to. Mm-hmm. Um I, and Scent of a Woman does have that, and I like that a lot. And, I've uh, read the script. I was in a, a class one time where we were okay. doing scenes from it. So That's interesting. But I don't remember too many details from it. You d- Did you do a scene from it? Yeah. Who were you? I was the younger guy. Oh, okay. All right, fair the, enough. Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, yeah. Hoo-ah! <laughs> What's that? Oh, uh, hoo I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's in this. It, actually, is that in the script? I bet I it's not. I don't think it is. That no. seems like an Al Pacino thing. <laughs> um just for one moment, uh, big boy from Dick Tracy shows up in the <laughs> performance, but, uh, and he did win best actor for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so I don't think that belongs in there. I've heard great things about Howard's End. I have no doubt that I would like it. Uh, a few good men is a very good solid film. Um, that is often quite satisfying. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as good as unforgiven. So for me, I think it would come down to unforgiven or the crying game. Hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm certainly fine of these nominees. I'm certainly fine with Unforgiven winning. It is not, it is a film that I think uh, will stick with you. And westerns don't win very often. Um, no, not that. You know many. what I mean? Trying to think of the others. Cimarron. Cimarron was would have been the first one, probably. Yeah. Um, gosh, I feel like there's got to be one of the '60s, but. Yeah, a lot of the like big ones be. didn't like Giant didn't. Well, Giant's not really a Western, right. I guess some parts of it are. Uh, Shane didn't. Yeah, I don't. The think Searchers it, didn't. Searchers didn't. Uh, Red River. Yeah, didn't. I seem to recall going to a trivia night and it said to list the westerns that won Best Picture, and I seem to recall they they said that there are three. It might depend on whether you count No Country for Old Men, because some people would count that, and I think I, there's, there's a solid an argument. argument to be made yeah, yeah. there, so that would be three. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that there's another one. I can't... Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, and there might be like one that's like really obvious that I'm not thinking of right now, but... Uh, 
Blazing Saddles. <laughs> that's the one. Um, but yeah, so uh, so it is a. It, and what's more is like it's it's a western that explores westerns while also being, in my opinion, a very good one. And that's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. Yeah. As far as other 1992 releases, that's a different thing because here we have movies like Glengarry Glen Ross, Malcolm X, um, and then jumping around uh, Robert Altman's The Player. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, A River Runs Through It is a really good movie. Um, and probably uh, Chaplin and Hoffa and, you know, biopics and stuff like that. Um, it was actually a pretty good year. Um, it's funny, there's a lot of those that seem like Best Picture yeah. uh, material, like Glengarry Glenn Ross or Malcolm X. Malcolm uh, X is pretty great. Have yeah. you seen Malcolm X? No, I haven't. I, it, I do think as far as uh, Spike Lee films... I would venture to say that um, his best film is Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. But second is probably is probably Malcolm X or maybe 25th Hour. But I do I think Malcolm X is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so I think that that might give Unforgiven a run for its money or Glengarry Glen Ross. I'm a big fan of One False Move, the Carl Franklin film. Not many people know about it. I, I don't think I know that one. I think we watched it for uh, movie night. Am I getting it mixed up with something else? And what happens in it? Uh, it's got Billy Bob Thornton, who I also wrote it, and Bill Paxton. And uh, there's a murder, and there's these three people on the run. Uh, and they blow into, I think, a, a Texas town or an Arkansas town uh, where the I think the local sheriff is uh, Bill Paxton is this uh, really wonderful, over-the-top character. Maybe you weren't there for that. I don't that. remember this movie. Hmm. All I can think of is Bandits. That is not the film. That no. is not the one. No. Um, <laughs> I'm like, and there's the one where, well, and if I, 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 I'll explain more to you off mic okay. because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a, that I think is a really wonderful film. And then Robert Altman's the player is pretty great. That's another one I haven't seen. That's one I oh, really boy. need to see. That's on my I, list of, uh, yeah, things I, think, I should have seen by now. I think you would enjoy that one tremendously. But so looking at these, um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with unforgiven winning. Um, I think, that year, I mean, there's a couple movies here and there that could probably give it sort of a run for its money, but uh, but I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much okay with it. So, uh, as we've said before, um, if somebody was said, "Hey, I'm going to watch Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven," what would you say? I think in general, I'd recommend it, but I I probably would want to know what people like of Clint Eastwood and what mm-hmm. people like of westerns. Yeah, because if you like westerns, like perhaps your uncle did, just because it's a it's a kind of fun exciting americana thing yeah this is not really that yeah um i I think i feel like by this point and maybe unforgiven is one of the things that kind of started it uh, there's a different expectation of what a western is i think so i feel like more of them are like this now more of them are kind of dark kind of seedy um like nobody makes a stagecoach nowadays you know no i don't think so um and I, I, you know, I don't know whether that's good or not. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something. There's Kevin Costner made one with Robert Duvall called Open Range, yeah. which, but even that, um, it, it was done with sort of a modern sensibility as far as the brutality mm-hmm. of uh, violence and yeah. such. Um, which I, I mean, but it, the plot seems very much like a throwback. Really? Yeah, that'd be interesting. I kind of like the the idea of the the brutality of of the West and something like, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I am really hoping someday we got to, we get a good adaptation of, um, blood Meridian. Oh yeah. Cause that's, that's what that's all about. But um, you know what? That's the thing. Having, um, 
I never finished Blood Meridian because I took a break from it to read something else. And then when I returned to it, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to start from the beginning. <laughs> Shoot. Because the whole book is basically one long run on sentence, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> kind of. Um, but, it, but I got several, I got probably more than halfway through the book and mm. thought it was uh, amazing. I feel like it would have to be almost a surrealist type of film. Like it's in many ways, but that's just the prose. The mm. fact of the film is probably just very straightforward. Uh, yeah. sorry, the, the fact of the story is very straightforward. And if you were looking at it from the outside, it would just look brutal and rough and very uh, hard edged and all that. But somehow to try to capture the essence of the book, I feel like you'd have to incorporate some dreamlike or rather nightmarish imagery. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> I think that I think that'd be amazing. There was a time there was a time when people said that uh there was a possibility of John Hillcoat who made the proposition mm-hmm. making the film. I think that'd be pretty good, but again, I feel like it needs to be somebody willing to be weird with it. Yeah. And uh and I can't think of a lot of uh directors that would be willing to do that. I wonder if like a Spike Jones could do it wow. or something. That'd be pretty amazing. Yeah just go the exact opposite way he's ever <laughs> what he's ever done um yeah or you know somebody like if david lynch decided he wanted to make something a bit more grounded <laughs> but yeah. really sc- screw it up or something um you know it's oh it's odd i was just thinking oh the guy who did who did uh, i was looking at my movie shelf and i thought oh the guy who did killing them softly then i remembered he's the guy who did assassination of jesse james oh so i and that has kind of a, a ethereal quality to yeah, it that, I, that yeah. I think it'd be interesting to have. But yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. We've been going on for a while. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think uh, if somebody likes Westerns, I don't think I'd say don't see it. I think I'd say, why do you like it? And then yeah. even if they said, well, I like the adventure and all that and be like, all right, well, this doesn't have that. This is more about the darker side of it. So knowing that, just keep it in mind and, you know, uh, go right ahead. So keeping so keep that in mind before you watch unforgiven but i do recommend you see it especially if you're a film fan because it really does show among other things uh, a director in transition like there is a clear to me there's a clear delineation in clinius with the director before unforgiven and after hmm. after you get movies like now obviously they're not all good but you get movies like mystic river and Gran Torino, you get in one year, you get Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. He seemed much more interested in looking at something from all sides um, as a director. So anyway, okay, I think we will end there because we've got other things to do. We have to record something else and then go see a movie. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so thank you everybody for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>